It is good to be back at Tabernacle. Well, of course, this is the first time here at this Tabernacle, but for 39 years, I started the church there in uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky, just south of Lexington, Kentucky, and our churches would very closely mirror one another, and uh, certainly in many, many ways, but it's good to be here with you folk, and uh, just... Uh, looking forward to what God has for us today. I'm going to sing a song that was my wife's. This song is my wife's testimony. Uh, she struggled for many, many years about knowing for sure that she was saved. Now, some of you maybe have struggled the same way. It just was difficult for her to get it settled. For sure, am I really saved? She grew up in a church that was somewhat Calvinistic. And really did not deal with you about salvation. But uh, my wife and I, we got married, went to Bible college, left, started the church where I'm at, where, where we uh, had uh, pastored for 39 years. And for uh, my wife would often say, now, now, I said this, now I did that. Now, am I saved? I mean, she would ask me, am I really saved and she'd get troubled about that. And all I could do was go to the word of God and show her what Jesus said that he did for her. See, the only way you can really know that you're saved, you can try to convince yourself you said the right words maybe or you did the right thing. But it's not what you said you did. It's what he said he did for you. And when you come to the place where you're just willing to believe and trust what Jesus did for you, that's when he'll save your soul and you get that settled and have it settled. My wife struggled for about five years. We had missionaries, like you do, come through our church. And uh, I'd been pastoring somewhere around five years. And... and um, that year, we had three missionaries in a row that came uh, to our church and had their wife to give their testimony. And they all three had the same testimony. Their wives struggled with knowing for sure they were saved after even their husband was preaching and pastoring. And they thought, each one of them thought, this is embarrassing if I really get this settled, I mean, how embarrassing is it going to be for my husband? But they each got it settled and trusting what Jesus said he did for them. And one Sunday night, my wife came and knelt right on, the, uh, on my left side at the altar. And she said, tonight, I'm settling this. And she said, uh, and she really, she said, I'm... Regardless, you, and, and, and one of those had given the testimony, I'm not going to go to hell for you. And in fact, they, they thought they would just, to keep from being an embarrassment to their husband, they'd just go ahead and go to hell rather than embarrass their husband because they weren't really for sure they were saved. And so my wife said, I'm settling this. I'm trusting what Jesus said he did. And I just took my Bible and showed her again what Jesus said he did. And she got that settled that night. And that's been, oh, well over, I guess, 35, nearly 35 years ago. 
And uh, she's, she got it settled. Do you know for sure you've got a salvation that's real? I'm glad I got a salvation that's real based on the word of God. But it's real, it's real, oh, I know it's real. Praise God, the doubts are settled, for I know, I know it's real. Oh, how well do I remember how I doubted day by day For I did not know for certain That my sins were washed away When the Spirit tried to tell me I would not the truth receive I endeavored to be happy And to make myself believe But it's real The truth came close and searching All my joy would disappear For I did not have the witness Of the Spirit bright and clear If at times the coming judgment Would appear before my mind Oh, it made me so uneasy For God's smile I could But at last I tired of living such a life of fear and doubt For I wanted God to give me something I would know about So the truth would make me happy and the light would clearly shine And the Spirit give assurance that I'm His and His but it's real, it's real, oh, I know it's real. Praise God, the doubts are settled, for I know, I know it's real. So I prayed to God in earnest. And not caring what folks said I was hungry for salvation My poor soul, it must be fed Then at last by faith I touched him And like sparks from smitten still Just so quick salvation reached me Oh, bless God, I know it's real it's real, it's real, oh, I know it's real. Praise God, the doubts are settled. 
unless you've got a salvation that you know is real. I hope you don't have one of these man-made religions. One based on the word of God. And that's the only way you can know for sure you're saved. You can try to convince yourself, do this and do that. It's the only way you know, because God can't lie. And he's given us his promise in his word that Jesus paid it all. He did it all for us. It's a wonderful gift, a wonderful gift to be received. Well, it is good to be here today for family day. My, it looks like we got a lot of families here today, and I'm so glad you brought your family. I love preaching on the family. Now, I was taught in Bible college, if you're going to study a subject or study a word, you go to the place where it was where it is first mentioned in the Word of God. So if we were going to study the family this morning, where would we go to the very first place that a family is mentioned in the Bible? Well, we'd go to Genesis, wouldn't we? Chapter 1, in fact. Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to study on the family today, but particularly the family of God. I think the family of God is so misunderstood but we're going to get a clear understanding of the, of the family because we're going to look into the Word of God. The Word of God will clear up so many misunderstandings. I love the Bible. As I said in the Sunday school hour, we started this subject in the Sunday school hour. So those that were here kind of got a little jump on the rest of you. But we'll catch up to speed here in a moment. I love studying the Bible. This book is an amazing book. When you open the Word of God, it's like stepping into, what was it uh, Buzz Lightyear said? Into infinity and beyond. I tell you, when you open up the Word of God, you really, you get into the infinite. But you step into eternity. One day, we're going to have the same experience that Moses had. How did Moses get the book of Genesis? He stood in the presence of God on the mount of God. He stepped into eternity and he could see creation. He witnessed it at all. He could see the beginning, but he could also see the end. Just like John on the Isle of Patmos. John witnessed the end from the beginning. Because he was with the one who was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he could see it all. And God let him record some of it and, and write some of it down. And when we open up the Bible, we got it. We too step into infinity. We step into eternity. And we can understand things that... The, the, uh, the natural man cannot understand. And so let's look at it this morning. If there's a subject that our society is so confused about today, it's the family. Amen. People do not know who they are today. You know why they do not know and understand who they are? Because they do not understand. They do not know who God is. But God wants us to know who He is. In fact, just another little bit of information. God wants us to know so much who He is. He gave us, and, and He told us, uh, and He gave us the account of our creation and how He made us. 
Beginning in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He wants us to know who he is and how we got here. It's interesting. In the first 35 verses of the Bible, you can count it because I did. The first 35 verses, that's from Genesis 1.1 to Genesis 2, verse 3. That's the first 35 verses of the Bible. Do you know that God tells us all about how we got here and how he made this world? And he tells us who made it 35 times. I said 35 verses. That's 34 verses. In the first 34 verses of the Bible, God tells us who made it 35 times. I mean, normally, if we were to say, uh, let's just pretend, uh, let's pretend, did by, by any chance, did uh, Brother uh, Jack make this pulpit, but Brother Jack Harvey by chance, let's say he did. Let's say Jack Harvey made this pulpit, all right? It's beautiful, beautifully made, wonderfully made. And I'm trying to think maybe what the, what the material is. It doesn't look like oak, maybe maple, a maple, uh, maple wood. Let's suppose Jack Harvey uh, wanted a pulpit so he would, I would, uh, maybe he would tell you how this pulpit got to be here. And he would use 34 statements about how this pulpit got here and he would say it something like this. Jack Harvey wanted a pulpit. Jack Harvey sat down at a drawing table. Jack Harvey drew out the plans for a pulpit. Jack Harvey went out into the woods. Jack Harvey cut down a tree. Jack Harvey took the tree to a sawmill. Jack Harvey cut the uh, tree into boards. Jack Harvey sized the boards. Jack Harvey planed the boards. Jack Harvey and we told you 34 statements and told his name 35 times. You'd say, I'm not that dense. I understand it was Jack Harvey. But do you realize when God tells us how we got here and how this world got here, he has to tell us 35 times in just 34 verses that God, notice, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. And all the way through, God, 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 He wants us to know Him, and He wants us to know how we got here. When we finally understand, which very... You know, most of the world does not understand. They don't know how they got here. And they don't know who God is. But when someone, someone gets a hold of it, all right, I believe it. I, I believe God made me. Well, then he gives us a little more information. I preached this message when I was in China. And in China, they don't know who God is. Very, I mean, wonderful people. I mean, they are friendly. They, they are very, uh, I mean, they're very knowledgeable people. And, uh, but if you want to talk to them about God, you have to start in the very beginning. 
I mean, it, it, you have to start from the very... They, they, it's not that they're, uh, you know, obnoxious about it. They're not hateful. Like a, you run into an atheist. I mean, they're mean about it, you know. They're hateful about it. But not there. They're, they're, it's, well, just show me. Just tell me, you know. And so I started right here in Genesis chapter 1. And so introducing who God is. And so we got through... Uh, and. Came to that conclusion. All right, God, the creator, has made me. But then you get to chapter 2 and verse 4 and you read just a little more. In chapter 2 and verse 4 it says, Notice, and the, uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God. Ah, we know a little more about him now. Now we're learning something. We have a maker, but we also have a master. And then in chapter 2, it tells how the maker masters the man that he created. And the Lord God commanded. He, he made the man. The Lord God commanded the man. And the Lord God took the man. And the Lord God put the man into the Garden of Eden. And the Lord God commanded. On and on and it goes. In other words, not only do we have a maker, we have a master. Now that's a problem with a lot of people. A lot of people believe, yes, I believe I've got a maker. But I'm going to be my own Lord. Nobody, nobody is telling me what to do. Now, wait a minute. Man needed the maker to be his master because he didn't know how to be the master. And so from that point on, you'll find the Lord God, Lord God, not only our maker, but he's our master. And you'll find it, Lord God, from there on until you get to chapter 3 and verse 1. And in chapter 3 and verse 1, there's another character that comes on the scene. Who's this other new character that comes on the scene there in the Garden of Eden? Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. What's missing? Lord is missing. You know what? The serpent... The old devil, old Satan was saying to Eve, yeah, he's your maker, all right, but he don't have to be your master. You can be your own Lord. In fact, if you will eat of this tree, of the knowledge of this fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, you be your own master. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the struggle that we have had ever since. The devil has convinced us we're our own Lord. We'll do it our way. And we're going to do what we want to do. And we're not taking orders from headquarters. I mean, we're our own master. And you know what happened there in the Garden of Eden? They lost it all. And they became lost. They became confused. Sin came. And sin separated man from a holy and righteous a loving God. Now we're going to find out something. I want you to come back to chapter 1 and verse 26. This is family day. And I want you to notice something here in this passage of scripture. In verse number 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. After our Likeness. 
God said, I want a likeness. But notice it says, us and our, and God is talking. Who is with God? Who is he speaking of when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness? Now we've already got ahead of you a little bit in the Sunday school hour on this. But when God said, let us, and he uses the plural for himself, which we know that God is one God, but he is expressed in three persons. The Father, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, and the Son of God. And these three are one. So who is God? We have the Father, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the Son. And when I said it this way in the earlier session, God in eternity past had a family conference. Have any of you ever had a family conference? You know what a family conference is. That's when you got something major to decide. Or maybe a major decision affects all the family. Or we've, we've had maybe a, a little disagreement going on in the family. So we're going to have a conference. And we're going to come to an agreement on this thing. We're going to get one on this thing. All right? We're going to all be on the same page. We have a family conference. So in eternity past, God had a family conference. And that family conference went something like this. The Father said to the Spirit and to the Son, I want a likeness. Let us make a likeness to us. We'll make a likeness like we are. And they were in absolute agreement on this. Now we don't have time to really break this all down. But you know that the Bible says that before the foundations of the world, he knew you. I mean, the plan was set in in this family conference. And we know, by the way, this, this whole book right here that we have, this amazing book, it tells us the whole story. How that from uh, the beginning when God had this conference, he knew what would happen. He knew we would fall. He knew we would sin. He knew we would be lost. He knew what would happen. But they made the plan anyway. Make the likeness. The likeness would fall. But the father said, we want to redeem fallen man. And the son said, I will go. And I'll take their sin and I'll take their failure and I'll take the fault all upon myself and I'll take the payment. The Holy Spirit said, and I'll raise you back from the dead. And they were in absolute agreement on this before the foundation of the world. So in eternity past, God said, I want a likeness and I'll never give up on that likeness. Though I know he'll fall, I know he will sin. I know he will be separated from me, but I'm going to make it possible that they'll be brought back into my likeness, back into our family. And so this is the conference in eternity past. Now this is wonderful to think about. So who is the family of God? 
Again, we named the family of God in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter number 3, we read concerning the family of God is named here. It says in Ephesians 3 and verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now we got the Father, we got the Son, and verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. There's the family of God. Who is the family of God? The Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. And these three are one. We're not talking about three families. We're talking about one family. And this family is co-equal. Just like if you've got a family, your family is co-equal. There, there is no equality within the family. And husbands and wives, husbands, if you're treating your wife like, you're e her, uh, uh, like an equal, you've got a marriage that's degenerating. She's not your equal. She is one and the same with you. There's to be no division. When you start striving for equality, that's where your arguments come. And, and that's where your fussing and fighting come. But when you can see yourself not as two equal halves striving for equality, but one whole. Amen. And when you got your family, you can see your family. Those children, they're not less than you are. They're, they're as much equal to you. The family is co-equal. There is no separation. There should be no division. The family is one, made like to the family of God. So God said, let us make man in our own likeness. So what did God do? How did he do that? He said here, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. There's the likeness to God. The best Demonstration, the best model you can try to define God is what God wanted in the likeness of family. The father of the home, like God the father. God the father said, I'm going to make a likeness. I want a likeness to myself, so I'll make the male. I'll make the father. Holy Spirit said, I'll make a likeness to myself. I'll make... The mother, the Holy Spirit. I'm Mother, you're the Holy Spirit of the family. By the way, there's no inequality there. You just got a different role, that's all. And when you can stop thinking, I've got to be, be, be that role or I'm not equal, then you, when you start striving to be what God did not make you to be, that's when you lose your equality. But when you discover I need to be what God made me to be, how wonderful life is. And then children are like Jesus, the Son of God. We pointed out several verses in the Bible, by the way. Some of you say, I never thought about the, uh, the, the uh, mother being like the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit having a mother image. But it's true in the Bible. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The angel told Joseph. Uh, told Nicodemus, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born of the Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to give you uh, another. I'm going to give you and leave with you 
he said, I know you're wanting me, but one likened to me. In other words, a of divine who is the comforter. That mother image that will, be, that will help you uh, and, and bring you along and, and uh, be that uh, comforter, be that teacher that teach you to say, Abba, Father. How wonderful it is when a family can realize that's what God wanted. God wanted a likeness and he only created one likeness and that likeness is in this room here today. God wanted there to be a you. Now tonight's service, we're going to look at it on the individual basis. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, gave him a body, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, gave him spirit, and man became a living soul. That's his life. And those, that individual, you as an individual were made individually like God. The body like the body of Christ. The spirit like the spirit of Christ. And the soul which is life likened to the Father from whom life comes. We'll talk about that tonight in the service. You don't want to miss tonight. We're going to keep studying on this thought in his likeness. That's amazing to me. Sitting here in this room and you and I can be like God though we don't seem to be anything like Him. But God has never given up on us. He wants the likeness. He's never given up on your family. And I'm going to tell you, it, it ought to be the desire of our heart. Every, every father, you ought to be like God the Father. In other words, the Father had a will. The will for that family. And the Father gave and the Father provided and everything for God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. And I'm going to tell you, to be a father that is like God the Father, you're not going to be self-centered and selfish. And, and that you're going to be caring for the family and providing and protecting and being everything you ought to be to be like God the Father. And mothers, not... Uh, 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 not anything but thinking like you need to be like the Holy Spirit caring for that family and guiding that family and governing that family and helping that family like Jesus was. Do you realize how dependent Jesus was upon the Holy, by the Holy Spirit of God everything that he did? And he said, I'm not a rebel. I mean, those children are not to be rebels, but Jesus said, I've not come to do my own will, but the will of my Father which sent me. And when you've got a family like that, but then we know, we know what happened, don't we? Satan came and says, but wait a minute. You don't need, you, know, you don't need to listen to God. You can be your own God. You can do whatever you want to. You know, sin came. Now what happened? You see, Satan, Satan desired to be like God. In fact, the description, and we mentioned it a little earlier about Satan. Satan, he, he said, I will be like the Most High. Do you, do you realize? Satan said, I will be like the Most High God. But Satan cannot be like 
the Most High God. God made only one likeness, and that's sitting in this room. God made one likeness, but Satan said, I'll be like God, but you cannot be Satan, and he knows it. So you know what Satan wants? He wants to destroy the likeness. He wants to possess the likeness. He wants to have that likeness. And that's why Satan desires you. That's why he divides. I wish I had time and I don't. I may take the time tonight. But when, what does it mean when it says the Lord God is one Lord? That confuses a lot of people. But people don't understand what one means. You see, one, the, uh, we think off time just in numerically. But one means unique. There's none like it. The one and the only. Unique one. And there's only one God. He is, he is unique. But it also means preeminent. Our God is preeminent. There, there's none above him. When, when Isaiah saw him high lifted up, he said, Woe is me, for I have, I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One means indivisible, meaning absolute agreement. Like I said in that family conference, are we one on this? Are, are we agreeing on this? Are we one? We're one? We're one. You see, one means in absolute agreement. And this is who God is. There's no division in him. I mean, he's an absolute degree. It means all-inclusive. When I, I preached a, uh, a message one time on the meaning of one, and before I preached the message, I put the numbers one, three, one. Take them to the pulpit. One, three, one. What's odd, before I did that, the last song that was sung, and I never planned this, the song leader said, let's turn to 131. <laughs> Christ is all I need. I knew I was preaching the right message that morning. 131. I, I, then I got up there and I said, he didn't tell, I, I didn't tell him to do that, but I, and I take those numbers. One, three, one. I said, how many numbers is that? Some people say, well, that's three numbers. No, it's one number. 131 is one number. Sure, it's made of three numbers, but 131 also includes all there's 131 ones in 131. And let me tell you, as that song we sung, 131, was Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. You see, in Christ, we're included. All in Him. And we have been made one in Him. Isn't that amazing? But see, that's what happened when sin came destroyed that likeness. Satan, he said, I will be like. He cannot be. So he wants to divide and separate, and that's why marriages are broken. God's intention for Adam and Eve, therefore shall man leave father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. In chapter, end of chapter 2, when God made, took of the same bone and flesh of Adam, the same bone and flesh of the one flesh, he made Eve, and they were to be one. No division. That's why Satan tries to divide marriage. 
That's why Satan, he tries to make rebels out of the children and pull them out of the home. That's why abortion is, is so prominent in our country because he hates the likeness of God and babies that are destroyed and babies that are killed. That's why all of this transgender, all of this homosexuality that is so prominent today because Satan hates the likeness of God and he wants to destroy that. He hates that. But God said, I want a likeness. I want some uh, likeness to myself. But Satan hates that. We know that sin came. And Adam uh, took of that fruit that Eve was offered him. And the eyes of them both were open. And now suddenly sin came. Sin divided them. That first beautiful marriage which Adam gave his wedding vows to Eve. Thou art bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You are me. We're one and the same. There's no, no difference between us. I mean, there's no division between us. We, we, but then what happened when sin came? God says, Adam, why'd you do that? The woman thou gavest, not of me, the woman, woman whom thou gavest to be with me. You see the division? That woman over there that you gave to be with me, not of me. You see the division? Can you hear uh, Eve? Eve, Eve, no doubt. Oh, the hurt. Can you see the hurt? And Eve, now, he no longer loves me. No longer is he considering me of bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she became a self-preservationist. Oh, the devil made me do it. Buddy, you're not going to take care of me. I'll take care of myself. And the division came. The hurt came. And the sorrow came. Then you come to chapter 3. You know what happened? They had children. They had two boys. Cain and Abel. Again, the likeness to Jesus, the son. But what happened to them? Cain killed Abel. Now there's the division in the home. I mean, Satan is trying to destroy the family. But let, no, wait a minute. God said, I'm not, I'm not through with you. I'll give you a promise. I'm going to send my son, the seed of the woman, and he's going to be the payment. And by the seed of the woman, he's... Crush the serpent's head. He'll bruise his heel. But he'll crush the serpent's head. And that's the promise. And through that promise, the Messiah came. And yes, he died upon the cross. And yes, he paid for our sin. Third day he arose again. And all who receive his payment, trust him by faith, they're brought back into the family of God. And made one in him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ sitteth at the right hand of the Father. You see, he has fulfilled that promise. He didn't give up on us. You say, preacher, my family, uh, my family is so unlike God's family. I mean, we're a mess. Look at Adam's family. He and, he and Eve went through a separation there. The first two boys, one killed the other. I mean, their homes are wrecked. They lost everything. They lost their family. I, I mean, they lost their home. They lost their job. Uh, everything is in disarray. But did God give up on the family? No. Look at chapter, and we'll close right here. We'll say more, much more tonight. But in chapter 5 and verse 1, 
This is the book of the genealogy, uh, generation of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. But then we know, oh, but sin came, sin separated, old man's lost. There's no hope for man, but read verse 3. And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness. After his image, and called his name Seth. Yes, that family went through all kinds of trouble, but God did not give up on the family. He did not give up on the home. And God has not given up on your family. You say, but preacher, you just don't know. My family's a mess. We're nothing like God's family. Now, wait a minute. Can I just mention briefly? Don't have time to deal with it because it's another message. I got a message called, There's Hope for a Dysfunctional Family. Oh, you say, preacher, dysfunctional family. That's got to be, you ought to be talking about my family. No, no, wait a minute. I'm talking about Abraham. Abraham? Yeah, Abraham is mentioned as the example of the family. Uh, I mean, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Abraham and Sarah, they're mentioned of, a, of the way a, a husband and wife relationship ought to be. But now, wait a minute, preacher. I thought Abraham and Sarah, I mean, Abraham tried to get rid of her two or three times. I mean, trade her off. Uh, she was the most beautiful woman in the world, but she evidently, beauty's not everything, because, man, she might have been hard to live with. Her name meant better, you know. I mean, this is a difficult, and Abraham, and can you imagine how Sarah felt when Abraham says, she's my sister? You go ahead and take her. I've had her long enough. You know, I, I, I can't imagine that happening. You wouldn't, Abraham saying, Abram saying to Sarah, now you wouldn't want nothing bad to happen to your husband, would you? That's why I like breaking down in the, I mean, down in the worst part of town and in the middle of the night and say, now, honey, would you go get us some help? You wouldn't want nothing bad to happen to your husband, would you? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how Sarah must have felt? But then they became known as the way a husband and wife ought to be, their relationship. And then there's a matter, there's the matter of, uh, you know, the old hag. Abram had a, an affair with an old hag. Uh, you, uh, you know, Hagar? Remember Hagar? I mean, the, 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 the affair with, and had an illegitimate son whom was rejected. And that illegitimate son that was rejected, Ishmael, grew up bitter, angry, and today there's problems in this world right today because of that rejection. I mean right to this day. And yet God wasn't, God did not give up on Abraham. I guarantee you there's not one family here that's as dysfunctional as Abraham's was. But God said, I'm not going to give up on my likeness. He won't give up on you. Yes, you may have trouble and you may have problems. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll bring them to God, He'll take care of that. He'll restore that home. And my, how, what a promise, what God has promised us. But I'm going to tell you where it all begins. The only way we could be in the likeness again is through Jesus. It was Jesus that brought us back into his family. And he said, don't pray God which is in heaven. But pray, our Father. He didn't say, oh, I, I pray to the Father of Jesus. No, pray, our Father. 
My Father, which is in heaven. You see, the only way we could get back into the family, Jesus had to bring us into the family. Now, here's the question. I'm not, the Baptists can't bring you into the family. The Catholics can't bring you into the family. The Methodists can't bring you into the family. The Mormons can't bring you into the family. And on and on you can go with every religion that man has made. The only way into the family of God and to be restored in the likeness is through Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only the name of Jesus. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you in the family of God? Your family need him? Today's the day. Let's bow our heads. Heads bowed and eyes closed. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to think just a moment with me. Am I in the family of God? Are you in the family of God? You only get in by Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Without him, you are as lost, you are as separated as Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. But if you will take him at his word and the promise that God gave of his son, he'll receive you. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many lift up a hand and say, Preacher, I know there was a day I trusted Jesus as my Savior and he saved me. Would you slip up your hand? How many know you are saved? Would you raise your hand? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You may take your hand down. How many of you say, Preacher, I'm not sure. If I were to die today, I'm not sure that heaven's my home, that I'd go to live in his home. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house... Or many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And let me tell you where he went to prepare that place. He went to the cross to prepare that place. But he gave the promise, I'll come again. That third day, he came again. He arose. And listen, if you will, he'll save you. You that could not raise your hand for certain, would you be concerned enough to lift your hands? I'd like to know for sure I'm saved. God bless you. I see that hand. You can take it down. Would there be somebody else? Preacher, I don't know for sure I'm saved. I sure would like to know how to go to heaven and how to be in the family of God. Pray for me. Would you slip up your hand? Would there be another? Someone else. Let me pray for you. Would there be another? All right. Then the next question is, how many of you say, Preacher, my family needs God. My family needs God. Would you pray for my family? How many would slip up your hand? Yes, I see, I see, I see. I tell you, the devil hates your family. My, how he hates it. Heavenly Father, you know the need. I pray that we would respond this morning. Help people to have the boldness to come and the courage to come. Those who do not know Jesus as their Savior to be saved. And those, Lord, that maybe their family is in chaos. I pray they'd come and trust you to restore that family and that home and that life and maybe their life is broken. Maybe they could say, I'm nothing like God. Help them to come today and trust you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.